0: Hey, this is Jason Hubbard and I, along with my wife, are the lead pastors of One Life Church in Nampa, Idaho. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. We hope that it encourages you and motivates you to live for Christ. Enjoy this message. All right, you guys ready for the word? Why don't you grab your Bibles and uh, notebooks and you can text OLC Notes to 94,000 and get those on to your phone. Uh, how many just enjoyed launching into this series last week, this idea of God with us? Um, this, I was just, I was so excited about the idea of this, the idea of God with us. And, and I I just find it so tied into everything that God is doing in our church, even today through worship and through what God's doing through prayer. It's just a reminder that God is doing everywhere we look that he's with us, that he's here, that his favor is resting upon our lives, that his love is present in our lives, that even in the middle of really hard, dark situations, he's right here with us. He hasn't abandoned us. He hasn't left us. He's not gone on to some other people. He's right here with us, and the promise of that is just so beautiful for us to remember as we go through. Last week, we talked about Moses, and if you missed that, you can jump online and listen to it. We, some people, you might not be familiar or aware of this, but we actually we have a YouTube channel that has everything uh, archived on there, so you can go back and you can watch past messages. but we also have our podcast, um, and so you can get on there and you can listen to past messages. And so that's really kind of cool to do. If you ever miss it, and then you're driving around, you can put it on and um, listen to my voice, which will hopefully help you not crash. Um, so uh, enjoy that. But we have a podcast uh, there as well. Today Um, we're going to take a few minutes to look at another story in the Bible that was just so um, evident that God was with this person. We're gonna be looking at Elijah, Elijah. Uh, Elijah, for those of you who maybe aren't aware and is a refresher for all of us, was considered the greatest of the prophets. He was an incredible, amazing man mouthpiece for God. God used him in some incredible and mighty ways. In fact, when you get into the New Testament, when Jesus was here, he took the disciples and he went up to the Mount of Transfiguration. And at the Mount of Transfiguration, he was actually changed to the fullness of his glory, which would have just been incredible to see. But joining him on the Mount of Transfiguration was Moses and Elijah. And Moses represented the law. And Elijah represented the prophets. And on the Mount of Transfiguration, you see Jesus in the middle. That was the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, which is actually really cool. But Elijah was there as the prophet of prophets. He was the one that everyone is compared to. He was the, he was the prophet. He was the forerunner. Just an incredible guy. But here's the thing about Elijah. He was an ordinary guy. In fact, if you look into his history and you look into who he was, he had no special lineage He wasn't part of any special family line. Like he was just just an ordinary guy that God happened to call to be used as his mouthpiece to reach the people around him. He was also not anybody who had any really special skills. There's nothing ever that indicates that he was like, wow, he was so good with whatever. He was just an ordinary guy. But here's what I notice about Elijah's life. Is that what marked this ordinary guy's life was very clearly the presence of God with him at all times. An ordinary guy who got anointed to be his mouthpiece and was with him constantly. I want to look at a couple of these stories here as we set up what we're going to talk about. A couple of these stories here just to give you a snapshot of what. God with Elijah was like and what this looked like. Before we jump into that, I'm going to pray and then we'll jump into reading scripture today. Yes. Amen. Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it's living and it's active. And Father, I pray that as we open it today, that you would remind us who you are, that you're here, that you're with us, Lord, we worship you and we glorify you. We thank you that your presence is here today. We don't ever take that for granted, but Lord, we're so grateful for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Three different situations in in Elijah's life. The first of these is that at the beginning, the first mention of Elijah in scripture in 1 Kings, we find him pronouncing a drought. We find him standing before King Ahab, and the first mention in verse one of chapter 17 is this. Now, Elijah, the Tishbite, who was one of the settlers of Gilead said to Ahab, Ahab was the king. He was the ruler of the land, all powerful resource. He had counsel and guard and armies and wealth and authority and just, he was the king. And Elijah stood before him and said, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall certainly be neither dew nor rain during these years except by my word. Now, I don't care who you are, that took guts to stand before the king and say that. What a clear, clear way of seeing that God was with him. God was the one that was empowering him with the strength and the boldness to be able to stand before a king and declare the word of the Lord. Like how many of us, when we're put in similar situations, would get very tongue-tied? But yet God was empowering Elijah to be able to do this. Another story then as we look at Elijah is in the course of his life, God uses Elijah to raise the widow's son. The story goes that there was a widow that, had helped Elijah out. And she actually ended up building him this room above her house that he would stay out every time he came by. And, and, and there was a, a miracle where the, the, the son was there, and, and, but he died. And so the prophet came and she said, hey, what, what are we gonna do? And Elijah took the son to the upper room and laid him out on the bed. And then it says this in verse 21, then he stretched himself out over the boy Three times and called to the Lord and said, Lord, my God, please let this boy's life return to him. And what happened? The Lord listened to the voice of Elijah and the life of the boy returned to him and he revived. Ordinary person that had the ears of God. When he spoke, God listened. When he called out, God was present, God moved. Ordinary person who is powerful because of the presence of God with him. And then we get to the coolest moment, probably top five favorite moments in the entire Bible for me, is you have Elijah up on the top of Mount Carmel and he's coming up against the 450 prophets of Baal and they're having this showdown. It's, it's Elijah and 450 prophets of Baal. Now, now, now. Just think about this for a second. All of them were hell bent against Elijah. Yes, right. What even gave that guy the ability to stand up there? God was with him. Right. He had no natural reason to be bold enough to stand up there against 450 prophets of Baal, false prophets. And not only that, but what was going to take place? Verse 22. Oh, it just says, it's it, verse 22 of, of 1 Kings 18. You can put it up. I alone am left. The prophets of Baal, there's 450 men. Okay, so there's what it is. So the the story. The story goes, the, he said, okay, you have an altar, 450 prophets of Baal. Go ahead and set up your altar. Get your sacrifice. Get it ready and pray to Baal to come and burn up the sacrifice. And so they started to prep the offering and they started to get it ready and nothing happened. And they started dancing around and calling on Baal and nothing happened. And then they started cutting themselves and and, and letting the blood flow and nothing happened. And then it says this, and this is the guts that Elijah had because God was with him in verse 27. And at noon, Elijah, (laughs) listen, ridiculed them enough guts because god was with him to ridicule the enemy he said this he said call out with a loud voice since he's a god undoubtedly he is attending to business or he's away or he's on a journey perhaps he's asleep and will awaken one guy not only is he calling out the the prophets of baal but he's like hey what's wrong with y'all where's your god God was with him to empower him in that. Elijah wasn't just a natural guy that would stand up there and pick a fight with 450 false prophets. No, God empowered him to be able to do that. And then what happened is after that didn't work, he said, he came and he said, okay, here's what we're gonna do. My turn, my turn. He cut the the sacrifice into 12 pieces for the 12 tribes. He laid it on the altar and he said, all right. I mean, this guy's gutsy. He comes and he says, Alright, grab four large pots of water and douse the whole thing. These are big pots of water. So they did it. And he goes, All right. Everyone's still watching? Do it again. Four more pots. Massive pots of water. Doused it again. Perfect. You guys still watching? Do it again. Three times. Four pots. Massive pots of water. Douse the sacrifice. This guy's got guts. He has to believe that God's with him because uh, elsewhere, he's just standing there going, well, God's gonna show up. He's gotta show up. And the faith that Elijah had and the boldness and the belief that God was gonna come through was incredible. So then it says in verse 36, then at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah, the prophet approached and said, Lord, God of heaven, Isaac, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Today, let it be known that you are God in Israel and that I'm your servant and that I've done all these things at your word. Answer me, Lord, answer me so that this people may know that you, Lord, are God and that you have turned their their hearts back. And then what happened? The fire of the Lord fell consume the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw this, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. Oh, so cool. I had a college professor and he had this favorite line in Bible college that he said, I can't wait to see the videotape of that one. I'm the same way, except we're in the 21st century. I can't wait to watch Netflix on that one. (laughs) But how cool is this? Now, Now, get this. I want you just to grab a hold of this because this is where it relates to each one of us. Remember, Elijah was an ordinary guy. Nothing special about Elijah. Everything that happened in and through Elijah's life was only because of the presence of God with him. We... remember that in our lives. Because how many times do we feel inadequate? How many times do we feel like we don't have anything to offer? How many times do we feel like we're still trying to figure our own stuff out? And why would God even use me and call me? And why would God flow through me? And all of this insecurity and doubt and fear. And what we need is a fresh revelation that God's with us, empowering us for what he wants us to do. See, it's not dependent on what you can do. It's not dependent on how good you are, how strong you are, or how gifted you are. It's all about the spirit of God that is in you causing those things to happen. We, we, we put a ton of pressure on ourselves to say, okay, we've got to do all these things. We've got to be all this way. and Anything special in my life that happens is just somehow because of something I've done. No, it's because of God in you. God with you and in you. One of the most powerful, incredible moments in the Old Testament was this showdown. Now, here's where we get into the meat of today. Because right after this incredible, amazing showdown, oh, the part I forgot is Elijah after the fact, when God's fire came down and licked up the sacrifice, Elijah single-handedly slaughtered the 450 uh, false prophets. Just, just throwing that out there too. Just <laughs> You know, if it wasn't enough to say that he called down fire from heaven, he was like, he went and and slaughtered them all. Like this powerful display of the fact that God was with Elijah. But then we get to the very next chapter, we see this. Elijah flees from Jezebel. Very next chapter, verse one of chapter 19 says this. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything. Jezebel, if you're not familiar, was just a wonderful, amazing, nice, kind person. No, she was the queen and she was evil. Ahab told her about everything that Elijah had done and how he killed all the prophets with the sword. And then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more so if by this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like one of them. In other words, you're gonna be dead. And then it says this. Okay, remember this, remember this. Elijah, okay, called by God, stood before a king and pronounced a drought. God used him to raise a boy from the dead. Showdown on Mount Carmel where the presence of God came and showed up in a miraculous way. Cloud nine moments for Elijah. And it says, he... Was afraid. And because he was afraid, he got up and ran for his life. Fear takes our minds to an unhealthy place. What fear does is it brings discouragement, it brings depression, and ultimately, what fear can do is bring paralysis to our lives. There's a lot of things that can cause fear. There's a lot of things that I think we all walk through. Finances bring a ton of fear into our lives. Am I gonna have enough? If I don't have enough, how am I gonna make enough, right? The finances just, they, they, they can destroy your confidence faster than anything else outcomes of decisions, the fear of like, if I decide to do this or this, the outcome, what's going to happen? And there's a fear that can cripple us and paralyzing us from being able to actually make decisions. Relationships, fear of what will take place in relationships will bring discouragement in our lives, where suddenly relationships that were intended to be these amazing things, sometimes they, they get to the point where they cripple us because we're at this fear of what could happen in those. Maybe the fear of failure. If I do this and I fail, it is going to destroy me. And so what happens, the enemy uses fear to get you paralyzed and not move because you're afraid of what will happen. Now, now here, here's the thing. Is that the enemy uses fear to make us forget that God is with us. Okay, you could be coming off of a mountaintop moment. A mountaintop moment where God is doing some incredible things in your life that lead right into moments that seem to be filled with crippling fear. Why? Because the enemy has an agenda for your life. Like, we just have to be real about it. And, and, and by the way, this progression is the progression of our life. We have these incredible moments where God moves followed by moments of fear, followed by other moments where we see God move, followed by other moments of fear. And, and here's the thing that I want us to grab a hold of as the people of God. We are never going to be exempt from fear. Fear is something that we will face on a regular basis. It just is. Whether it's small fear or large fear, all of us, there are moments in our life where we all deal with this thing called fear. Fear. But what we learn from Elijah is what to do in the moments of fear. Because here's the reality that I find as I look through Elijah's life and all the way else through Scripture, everywhere else in Scripture, is that moments of fear define how we see God. Moments of fear define how we see God. And this is why. Because in the Bible, the Bible lays out two different kinds of fear there is a healthy fear of God, which is defined as reverence and awe. This is a good kind of fear that should motivate us, that we should have that in our lives, this reverence of who God is and an awe of everything that he's done. But there's also an unhealthy fear that the enemy uses to cripple us, to keep us bound, to keep us paralyzed and keep us from doing anything that God calls us to do. Oswald Chambers says this in some of his writings, that the remarkable thing about God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. So a good gauge for you and I to have on a regular basis in our lives is where's my fear? Are my eyes on God where I have a fear and a reverence and an awe of who he is. And if that's in place, nothing else is going to shake me. But it's when I start, just as Peter did, when he was walking on the waves in the storm to Jesus, as, start is, as soon as I start looking at the storm, I start sinking. Why? Because that becomes a lot bigger in my eyesight than God is. The fear of God is when he becomes the most important thing, the most prominent thing, the thing that we focus on more than anything else, that we wake up in the first thing in the morning. How many of you just wake up in the morning already with fear? Like you wake up, you haven't even done anything, and there's fear. The first and the most important thing we could do is grab our Bible, open up the Psalms, and let the words of God breathe life into us again to be able to encourage us and remind us of who he is, not the situation, not the circumstance, but who he is. And as we start to meditate on that and have that come into our lives, we start to realize, wow, God is a big God and my problems are really small. This is what we need to do in our lives to help us remain in this right place. Proverbs 9 says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord brings wisdom and understanding. It says it again. Proverbs, It's so good that we have that verse in there twice. The fear of the Lord leads to life. There we go. Oh, different reference. Sorry, this is also in Proverbs. The fear of the Lord leads to life so that one may sleep satisfied, untouched by evil. What makes it so that you're untouched by evil? The fear of the Lord keeping the perspective of him right in our minds and in our hearts. Now, here's the beautiful thing. Here's the beautiful thing. We have this moment where Elijah is just out there and he's doing all this amazing stuff and he's just he's, he's being used mightily for God and then he's right into this moment of fear and right into this moment of doubt and right into this moment of uncertainty and the beautiful thing is that is the moment that God comes close to him. It was in the fear. It was in the middle of this place where he was running from his life that God goes, I know what my son needs. And I want you to hear this over your life today that if you're in a place where you're wrestling with fear and life has just got you crippled in so many ways, I want you to know that God sees you, he knows you and he knows when it's time for him to come close to you. He's preparing something for you. And it's in this place then that we overlay. I'm gonna go through very briefly the the four things that I laid out, this kind of four-step process here, because I see how it overlays over uh, Elijah's life just as it was with Moses so well. But if you remember the first step of the revelation of God and God with us is this idea of invitation. It's this idea that God initiates invitation. It's not something that we do, but it's the fact of what God does in us. So step one, go ahead, Lane, invitation. In this story, God provides miraculous nourishment and rest. This is the invitation. Remember, when God invites you into a revelation of himself, he's gonna do something in your life that makes you go, what? Remember, he's gonna do things on an ongoing basis that if we're paying attention to what he's doing, we'll stop and go, wait a second, what is going on there and we turn our attention to what he is doing. Chapter 19, verse five says this. Then after he was running for his life, he lay down and fell asleep under the broom tree. But behold, there was an angel touching him. And he said to him, arise, eat. And he looked and behold, there at his head was a round loaf of bread baked on hot coals and a pitcher of water. Like that is a totally supernatural thing that was taking place. So what did he do? He ate and drank and he laid down again. But the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, hey, arise, eat, because the journey ahead of you is too long for you in your own strength. You need provision, you need nourishment, and you need the rest of the Holy Spirit. Okay, I want you to hear this. This is what I find so cool about this, that the invitation of God in this moment, the invitation was nourishment and rest. Many times in our lives, what God brings in trying to get our attention is he brings a rest to our lives. Nourishment and rest are intended to be a starting point, not the end point. Remember that the first day that Adam was on the earth, what did he do? He rested. God created everything and created man on the sixth day. He created everything over the seven days. Oh, over the six days. And then the sixth day he created man. And on the seventh day, Adam rested. He began his life with rest. Many times, when God's trying to get a hold of us, he's, he's wanting to provide nourishment and rest to us if we are ready to receive it. Yes, right. So, what happens after this? There is a response. After there's an invitation, there's a response in this particular story. Elijah got up, and then notice what happened here. He received the nourishment and obeyed the Lord. Okay? There is a choice that we have to make to receive the things that God does in our lives. Because sometimes we get stuck and it's hard to be able to actually receive the good things that God does in our life. Elijah, the the, the cue for him is that he actually stood up and he received the nourishment and then he obeyed God. He responded. Verse 8 of 1 Kings 19 says this So he arose. And he ate and he drank and he journeyed in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. Okay, so if you do the geography of this, it's 200 miles. Now I want that bread. Like that's pretty incredible. But he journeyed for these 40 days. So what did God do? He was getting his attention. I'm gonna provide for your needs. I'm right here. I'm gonna give you a rest. Elijah says, okay, I'm gonna respond to that. He follows where the Lord is leading him to. And then after the response, then comes the calling. God came and he called Elijah. Once Elijah responded, God spoke to him. God spoke to him. Verse nine, then he came there to a cave and spent the night there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, now there's a progression of thought and and communication that's really, really key here. God asks this same question. What are you doing here, Elijah? He asks it twice. And there's a reason that he does this. The first time God asks Elijah this question is he wants him to speak. He's initiating communication. So what happens? Elijah, step four, communicates. But here's the thing about Elijah's communication. And this is a key for us. Elijah was transparent with God about what was really going on inside of him. See, there's this, there's this thing in life that we somehow, somehow, sometimes get in our minds that we can't actually be transparent with God with what's really going on inside of us. Because if he really knew what was inside of us, if he really knew my thoughts, if he really knew the motives of my heart, then he would reject me. Well, the reality and the beautiful thing about God is he already knows it anyway, and he hasn't rejected you. He knows every thought. He knows every intent of the heart. He knows all of it, and he still continues to come close to you. Notice the the beautiful aspect of of this whole conversation that's taking place. God comes, asks a question, and then Elijah is very transparent. Verse 10, and he said... I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of armies. For the sons of Israel have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left and they have sought to take my life. He's kind of at the bottom of everything, depressed, torn down, anxiety, like just, just terrible. But here's the thing. And in the middle of all this setup, this is where I want us to get to here, is that in that moment of transparency before the Lord, where Elijah brought how he really was doing before the Lord, God knew exactly what the depressed, discouraged Elijah needed. What did he need? A fresh reminder that he was with him. See, when we're in moments in our lives of wrestling through these things. And we're at our moments where we're at our our lowest. We're at rock bottom. We're in the same place too, where God comes and when we have this honest dialogue with him, he says, now, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna come down and I'm gonna give you a fresh reminder and a fresh revelation that I'm with you and that I love you. So what happens in verse 19, he said, or verse 11, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by. This is Bible, and I want you to receive it for your life today. If God's calling you into a space where maybe you've been wrestling a lot of stuff, maybe you even felt like you're running for your life, I want you to hear, The words of scripture that the Lord is passing by the Lord is passing by he's here and a great and powerful wind was tearing out the mountains and breaking the rocks into pieces before the Lord but the Lord was not in the wind and after the wind there was an earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake and after the earthquake a fire but the Lord was not in the fire And after the fire, there was the sound of gentle blowing. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Same question, same question. First time God asked the question is he wanted to hear what Elijah was gonna say. He wanted him to speak. God does the same thing with us. He asks us, what's going on? What's going on with the expectation that we'll actually have a dialogue with God? God asks you what's going on in your life because he actually wants to know. He actually desires your communication with him because he cares for you. The second time he comes, he asks Elijah this, what are you doing here? This time he's getting Elijah to ask this question and to think about this to get Elijah to actually think. So then he repeats the same exact thing in verse 14. Then he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of armies. The sons of Israel have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword and I alone am left and they have sought to take my life. Now, I like to think that In this second time that Elijah was responding, it was probably a little bit different than the first time. First time probably had a lot of, I'm the only one left. Then what does God do? Comes close, reminds him, hey Elijah, I'm with you. I'm here. My presence is with you. And I just imagine Again, this is, this is just my mind, but the way that God answers it leads me to think this, that as Elijah's answering this question this time, it's really hard after you've had an encounter with the all-powerful God and the God of comfort who comes close to you and cares for your life, to start complaining again. I get the sense of Elijah answering this, you know, hey, I've, I've been zealous for the Lord and the God of armies, and this, they've all abandoned you and torn down your altars and killed prophets, and I'm, I'm left, and They sought to take my life too. But what does God do? He responds right after this and says, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you have arrived, you shall anoint Hazael, king over Aram. This time, there was a revelation that Elijah had had that God was with him and it empowered him and strengthened him for the journey ahead. God knew the second time he's like, hey, listen, I've come close. I've revealed my power. I've come close with my comfort and to pour that over you. And right now what is coming into your life is a reminder that I'm with you. And when you get that revelation, I'm gonna call you to do some things because God knew that what Elijah didn't need in that moment was to sit in his self-introspective analysis any further. He said, listen, I want to remind you, I'm with you. I'm for you. I'm empowering you. And now Elijah, I want you to get up and I want you to do something. Here's the beautiful thing about this story. This is the whole thing in this synopsis. God with us brings comfort and rest while calling us forward. This is the point of the whole story. We say, wow, that was really harsh for God to come down and and, and Elijah's just pouring out his heart and God just goes, get on it, Elijah. That seems harsh. No. If you read the whole thing in context, you realize God had come close to build Elijah, to strengthen him, to lift up his head and to encourage him and remind him I'm with you. And then when that starts to do something and turn something inside of Elijah, then he goes, okay, now let's go. I heard, this, I heard this quote a long time ago. You've probably heard this quote before. God loves you exactly where you're at, but he loves you too much to leave you there. Uh, God loved Elijah right where he was at, right in this middle of fear and doubt and hiding and all of this. God loved him right where he was at, but he loved him too much to leave him there. God leaves you too much. He loves you too much to leave you right where you're at right now. He comes to minister to you in moments of fear and to call you forward out of those places. The God with us comes to comfort and also call us forward. If you're here today and you're like, you know what, I just need, I need this kind of Elijah encounter. I really could use just the the comfort, the reassurance, the love of God just pouring into my life. How many would just say they could really use that today? Yeah. I think God has it for everybody. Whether you raise your hand or not, it doesn't even matter because he'll come close to you anyway. And he'll encourage you and he'll strengthen you. I believe that that's what God has for us today. I also believe too, as we get ready to close service, I do believe that there are moments when God reveals himself to us because like I said, he's calling us forward. And maybe that calling and maybe that calling forward is to simply make a decision. I'm not gonna try to do this all on my own anymore. I'm not gonna live in this fear. I'm done with it. I'm done with like the the, the crippling fear that has permeated my entire life. I'm done with it. I wanna come and I wanna lay that down at the cross and I wanna receive the salvation of Christ and the mercy of Christ. I'm tired of carrying the weight of my own sin. I wanna actually let Jesus take that because that's what he said in scripture that he did as he took all of the sins on himself, paid the price so that we could be free and free of that fear and free of that shame. If you're here today and you have not yet had the opportunity to put your faith in Jesus, to ask him to be the Lord of your life and your savior, I wanna give you the opportunity to do that today. And it's very simple. How this works, it's not complicated because the Bible just says that if you believe in your heart and declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And what I want to do today is just give you an opportunity. If you're here and you know what, you're like, you know what? I don't even think I have a relationship with God. I've been running, I've been doing things, but boy, I've got a lot of fear. Boy, I've got a lot of junk that's going on in my life. And you want to receive the love of Christ, the fresh infilling of his life into you today. This is for you. What we're gonna do is just bow our heads and I'm gonna have all of us pray this prayer together. And I'm gonna invite you, if you are praying this prayer, maybe for the first time, or maybe you've prayed it a long time ago and you've walked away from the Lord, but you wanna come back to him to say, yeah, okay, God, I, I give up. I, I, just, I just want you. I just, I just need you. Pray this prayer out with faith this morning. Lord Jesus, I come to you today and I thank you for your love that never runs out and never grows cold. that even when I have been unfaithful, you remain faithful. And I ask you today to forgive me of my sins, to wash them away. I ask you to take my fear, take my shame, take my guilt. And I thank you for a fresh start today. Please come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. Let me experience your love today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you pray that prayer today for the first time or you've prayed it for the 1,000th time, but today you're coming back to saying, yeah, God, I just, I just want you. I'm so, so excited and so grateful that you made that decision today. After service, as we get ready to close, there's two things if you did ask Christ into your life today. That connection card that Ellie talked about earlier, if you would fill that out and then drop it either in the buckets on the way out or... You can go out to the Connection Center right here and give that card in, and we have a gift for you. We have a Bible and a little book called Following Jesus, and it just gives some of the basics of what does it mean I made this decision, but now what does it mean to actually live for him? We have those for you. Those are for you, so please come and get those things. Um, we would love to be able to give them to you. All right, we're gonna get ready to close service. Here's what I'm, we're gonna do. Everyone stand up as we, uh, as we get ready to close. That sounded really bossy. I apologize. Everybody stand up. Jeez, wow. Give the (laughs) fear of the Lord. (laughs) Yeah, that's, I don't know about that. Um, I want to pray for you today as we dismiss. Can I do that? And just pray that the Lord would come close to you in your life this week. Um, If you are here and you're like, you know what? I just, I, I need, I need this fresh reminder that God's with me today. If you're comfortable, put your hands here or just stretch them straight up to heaven. If you're like, yep, that's me, I need that today. Okay, and we're gonna pray. Jesus, I thank you so much that you're with us. You're not a God who's far away, but you're right here. And as you were close to Elijah and at the exact moment when Elijah needed the reminder of your presence, you came. Father, I pray for your people today that are in a place of just needing a desperate encounter with you and a reminder of your love, Lord, I ask that you would come and fill every heart right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would draw close to your people. You would reveal to them that you are the God who sees them, the God who loves them, and the God that is here. Lord, I pray that you would come to break through any anxiety, fear, worry, depression, discouragement, everything that has taken hold of lives, I pray a breaking off of that right now in the name of Jesus. I pray for a freedom. I pray for clear airspace. I pray that the attack of the enemy would be pushed back in the name of Jesus and that today your people would experience the love, the sure, grounded, and unending love of God that would come close. Lord, I thank you that you have not abandoned us. I thank you that you're with us here right now. And Lord, I thank you that you have exactly what we need in this moment. You know exactly how to remind us that you are good, that you are God, that you are on the throne and that you rule and reign. And so Father, I ask that that will be true in your people this week. Walk with us. I pray that this week we would be able to experience your love. Walk with you in your love this week. Surround, protect your people, I ask. No weapon formed against them will prosper in Jesus' name. Nothing that the enemy has tried to do, no assignment of the enemy will ever have any foothold. Father, I pray that you would raise up a hedge of protection around your people. I pray that you would provide and bring nourishment and rest to your people today. Father, I thank you that you are good. We love you and we give you all the glory for who you are, the God of the universe. King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we worship you today. In Jesus' name, amen.